she had made him a better offer. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 62, verse 6. Look, look what it says here. Thank you, angel. You who are his servants and by your prayers, put the Lord in remembrance of his promises. Keep not silent. Okay, one more time. You who are his servants, and by your prayers, by your prayers, by your prayers, that's why it's important to pray, by your prayers, put the Lord in remembrance of what he said, of his promises, and keep not silent. You know, one of the most powerful ways that I've learned to find a promise um, in the scripture and to remind God of, 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 of what he said about you. A promise scripture is a, a scripture that God gives you. And, and you, you can get it through many different ways. It's given through a word of prophecy or your own spiritual time. But years ago, when I say years ago, I'm talking about 1992. 1992, God gave us a promise scripture, my wife and I. And it's in Isaiah 43, verses 2 through 3. And here's what it says. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned by the flames. And the flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Now, that scripture was very promising. At the same time, it was very much filled with warning. Because it wasn't saying if you walk through the fire. God was saying when you get there. When you get there. And so it was good and bad. You know, the good was okay. I'm cool. I got God with me. But the bad was I don't want to go there. I don't want to almost drown in life. I don't almost want to be charred to my death. I don't want to walk through any type of danger. I don't want to do that. But, but again, you know, I'm glad I got that promise scripture because, because with that promise scripture, I'm able to go to God in my prayers and remind Him of that promise that He gave me and not dare to keep silent in reminding Him of what the promise was when He gave it to me. So when someone can say to God, but you said... <laughs> oh, parents know what I'm talking about. Grandparents know what I'm talking about. You know, my, my, my granddaughter, when she, my granddaughter's so young, she's six, but when she was like four, I promised her I would take her to Disneyland. I promised her. And you know, I didn't think she would like take it seriously. <laughs> she was four years old. I didn't even think she would remember, you know? We were just driving in the car and I was telling her about Disneyland. And then she asked, you know, can you take me to Disneyland? And we're just driving. I says, yes, of course I'll take you to Disneyland. And she says, when? And so I just threw a day out there. I said, Thursday. <laughs> right? I just threw it out there, right? And then next thing you know, every day, she would ask me, is it Thursday yet? <laughs> and then Thursday came. 
And I knew I wasn't going to take her to Disneyland. And she asked me, she goes, Daddy, she calls me Daddy because she's never met her real dad. I'm her dad. She goes, Daddy, she goes, is today Thursday? <laughs> I wasn't going to lie. And I says, yes, it's Thursday. And then she says, are we going to Disneyland? <laughs> and I knew we were going to Disneyland and I couldn't lie to her. And I said, I'm sorry, sweetheart, we're not going to Disneyland. And she goes, but you said. <laughs> and that's the way I think about it with you and God. With the child and the father of King of Kings, you know, when we're able just to remind God of the promise that he gave us, and when, when you use that, that words, not against him, because he asked us to remind him, when, when we're able to say to God, but you said, but you said, but you said, that I'm here to tell you something, is that all of heaven stops what they're doing, and God dispatches his angels from heaven, and he begins to respond of us reminding him of what he said, of what he would do for you. I wish there was an amen in the Indian Empire this morning. So, when you can say that to God, then God has to be faithful to his word. He has to be faithful to it. It says to, to remind him of his promises. And, 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 and it says his promises. See, our problem is that in prayer, what we do is, is, is we remind God of all of our problems, not of the promise. You know, most of our prayer life that we take to God is about our problems. Man, what? I mean, you think God loves to hang around with you? <laughs> Come on, I mean, put yourself there. It's like, you know, there's somebody who always has problems, and that's all they want to talk about is their problems. And, and, and I'm fine with that. I'm a pastor. That's like my calling. You see, nobody comes up to us and say, Pastor, I got a praise report. No, Pastor, can you pray for me? Pastor, she did this again. Pastor, oh, this. And Pastor, you know, she's like, Pastor's going around. That's what we have to learn how to cast our burdens upon Christ for. He cares for you. But we come to God with our problems, and we come to God with our problems and our problems. But how about if we changed it around and just switched up our prayer life and begin to come to God and bow on our knees and remind Him of the promises that He gave us? That if you're in the home, you remind God that I am going to get my life back. My children will come back into my custody care. I will get my job back. I will go out and take a city. I will. We just Here's what I tell God. 
You said when I pass through the waters, you're going to be with me. I, I tell God, but you said when I pass through the rivers, they won't sweep over me. But you said when I walk through the fire, yeah, I won't be burned. But you said when my enemies come at me one way, you will defeat them and cause them to flee seven different
My wife was diagnosed with leukemia cancer. She was in a drive-thru at Carl's Jr. And her doctor called her because my wife was pregnant. And her oncologist, I mean her, uh, what's the baby doctor thing? Um, what is it? Yeah, yeah gynecologist. And my wife's like, can you be careful how you use that word? <laughs> A gynecologist called me. How did that one? How do you even say that? I just say the woman doctor is what I say. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you. yeah so, so she called my wife. I said in the green room, this is the smoothest water I've ever drank. And then the brother back there was looking at me like weird, like, man, you know. Like, you're that devo? You're judging the taste of water? Water's water. I'm like, no, this is good water here, believe me. It goes down smooth. Really, I, I need to find out about this here. And it's been around since 1564. I never even heard about it. She tells my wife, you need to drive yourself to the nearest emergency room. I was in Chicago preaching a three-day revival, and and um, she says, drive yourself to the nearest emergency room. Remember, my wife had no clue the news that she was about to be given. She just thought, okay, something is wrong with the baby. My, dog, my, my wife drives to the emergency room all by herself. An ambulance is waiting out there, and three oncologists is waiting for her in the emergency room. And they pull her in the emergency room, and the oncologist tells her, um, you need to call your family as soon as possible. Um, you are in the last stage of leukemia cancer. And uh, they call the priest in to give her her last rites. And my wife calls me in, 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 in out of, just like this, I get flashbacks. I get flashbacks, I'm preaching like this. And my message that I'm preaching in Chicago is about a woman with the issue of blood. Leukemia is a bone marrow cancer that actually you know, comes from the bone marrow and your blood, uh, your white blood cells uh, become way too many in your body. And so what happens, it's like a war. Your white, your red blood cells are trying to fight their way back in, but the white blood, white blood cells are kicking them out. And so your whole body fills with too many white blood cells, which actually starts killing your body. And so the doctor tells her, you know, you need to um, call your family in and um, we're rushing you straight to UCLA uh, or Cedar sinai or whatever it was. This was, uh, this was 14 years ago. 14 years ago, the doctor told my wife she was going to die of leukemia cancer. She was in her last stage of cancer. And so... They rushed her to the hospital. She was supposed to die any day. And our church went into a 24-hour prayer and fasting chain. And let me tell you a miracle, miracle. When she was in Oxnard and they diagnosed her and they took her to UCLA, our church started praying. 
I started praying in Chicago. I couldn't find an airplane that was coming home to me, coming back home that night. I had to wait till the next morning to get to that hospital. And when I arrived at that hospital, the doctor mentioned they do not know what happened. They said she was diagnosed as being in the final stage of cancer. And they said, we have no idea what has happened. Um, the results that we took from Oxford and the results we took here yesterday and the results that we just took again today, um, it's showing that she has went from the last stage of cancer to now just in the middle of having cancer with, with no chemotherapy, no radiation, no type of treatment whatsoever. the power of praying and fasting. I'm here to tell you that 14 years later, my wife is stronger than she's ever been before in her life. Why is she here 14 years later? Because she had promises to quote while she was lying down on a hospital bed. And she reminded God of what God had told her earlier on in her childhood. You've got to find some but you said in your life. You said you will restore my health and that you will heal my wounds. You said what is impossible with man is possible with God. But you said. See, I don't know if you got some but you said in your life, but you better get some before this church service is over. See, when God hears that, he can't help but to start dispatching. When God hears that, he can't help but to start putting a miracle in motion. And it may not happen overnight like it did with my wife, but he begins to change things around in your favor. And instead of complaining, just remind him. Instead of begging, then you got to remind him. You see, instead of describing your circumstance, describe your promise. If we can get in a habit of just saying, but you said, but you said, then one day, instead of saying, but you said, then it's going to turn around into, but you did. See, your but you said are going to turn into what you did. I wish I had an amen this morning. One day we're going to say, God did what he said he was going to do. He turned it all around. He blessed me. He healed me. He favored me. He restored me. He vindicated me. We need some but you said in our lives. Oh, hallelujah. See, he's a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. Oh, some of you got to stop listening to Zap and Roger. He's not a heartbreaker. He's a promise keeper. So, what, what, what are your, but you said, see, you got to understand, man, when you're, when you're facing financial uh, challenges, that's where you got to remind God, you said, God, you said that I'm going to be uh, the lender, not the borrower. You know, you got you to gotta look for those, but you said in your life that you, you said you will open the floodgates of heaven. You, you did say that my cup will run over you. You said that everything I touch shall prosper. Look at what the rest of the scripture says. In Isaiah chapter 62 verse 6, it says, Keep not silent. Keep not silent. And give yourself no rest. Is what that scripture says. Keep not silent and give yourselves no rest. 
See, don't feel guilty for always reminding God of what he said. No, that widow was persistent and she got what she wanted. See, don't you dare yourself. Don't you dare ever stop asking God. See, when I first got saved, I was 16 years old. And all I did was pray for my mother to get saved, my father to get saved, and my brother to get saved, my sister to get saved. One year passed, that didn't happen. Two years passed, that didn't happen. Five years passed, that didn't happen. Ten years passed, they still weren't saved. Fifteen years later, they finally give their life to God. But what if I were to stop asking? What if I were to take a break? Praying out for your salvation. What if I would have just gave up and saying, Lord, okay, maybe you didn't say that my entire household shall get saved. But no, that's what I was throwing God's face. I said, God, you said that uh, my entire household will come to you. You said, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. You said it, God. You said it. And 15 years later, I'm my mother's pastor. Hallelujah. Before God.
Because look at what he says. And here's, here's how I close. The um, keys can come on up or whoever, whatever musician comes up first. Here, you're all good, so it don't matter. Did I compliment the worship team? Yeah, they were awesome. Wow, they were awesome. <clears throat> Isaiah 41 verse 24 says, Present your case, says the Lord. Set forth your arguments. Oh, now, okay, those of you who are fighting a case, this language is very familiar to you. Arguments. Present your case. When you have a scripture promise, that's your case with God. Our case is based on God's word. And so we need to present that case. But when you're presenting a case in the court of law, as some of you may know, you need to present a case. If you're going to win, then you've got to have enough, what? Evidence. Evidence. The good news is that, that is that the Bible calls Jesus our advocate. You know what an advocate is? It's another word for lawyer. And thank Jesus that he's the lawyer. And not the person that you're sitting next to. Because we're really fast to judge. Really fast to judge. That's why the Bible says if you show mercy, you'll receive mercy. So let me just deposit something to those with a prophetic gift. Your spiritual gift is prophet. You walk around with a hatchet and you walk around with, 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 with the Bible slapping people over their heads every time they fall short of the glory of God. Let me just remind you, okay? If you show mercy, you'll receive mercy. One day you're going to realize, Mr. Prophet, that you are not Jesus reincarnate and that you are sinful and you do make mistakes. And the day that you make a mistake, you're going to wish so bad that somebody would love you through your mistakes. And so thank God that Jesus is our advocate. Thank God that Jesus is our advocate. And thank God he wasn't Peter, the apostle. Because Peter, he wouldn't have did that for you. No, Peter was, Peter was, he always did something for himself. He, he wanted status. And, and, and thank God that, that Jesus is our, our, our lawyer. Sir, in the courtroom of heaven, Judge and Jesus is our lawyer, and as long as you present your case based on God's word, you cannot and will not lose your case. Scripture is our evidence to win the case that we are presenting to God. Your case is not based on how you feel, your case is not based on the economy, it's not based on the medical report or what somebody said about you. 
Get something.